Welcome to the Meet Musings podcast, the show where we talk about different issues and disabilities that affect people emotionally, psychologically, physically and mentally. We discuss health and well-being generally. We are amplifying the voices of people living with disabilities and limitations and breaking the stigmas. Our podcast is available on Podbean, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Amazon Podcast, Tune in in Alexa, Twitter, YouTube and Facebook. We are also available on Listen Note, Radio Public and iHeartRadio. Just search Meet Musings Podcast on any social media platform. Welcome! Welcome to another episode of the Meet Musings Podcast. Today, my guest is Mirimak. She is the host of the Mirimak Show, a show that guides people through bereavement and tragedies. And she's a blogger and an author, and also a podcaster. So I'll just leave Mary to introduce herself now. Welcome to the Meet Museums podcast, Mary. Well, thank you so much for having me today. It's such a pleasure to be with you. Oh, you're welcome. I've been involved with bereavement for over 35 years. And how that came about, ironically, was I was going about my life in, during high school. I had two friends who both died from drunk drivers. One of them was during a high school dance. He and a few friends were walking by the side of the road and a drunk driver without his headlights on just came by and picked him up and threw him to so far that when he came to the ground, he died instantly. Oh, that's sad. I know. And then another friend of mine, that happened when I was 14, And then another friend of mine, when I was 16, he pulled out of his driveway and a drunk driver came down the road and plowed broadside right into the driver's side of the door. That's awful. I know. I know. It was, it was one of the most tragic times in my life. I was very young. I was 16. I remember going to that funeral. That friend of mine who I originally knew in New York had then moved to Florida with his family and they buried him back in New York. So I was at the wake and I remember sitting on a sofa in the funeral home watching him in the casket and thinking to myself, this does not make sense. None of this made sense. And I was in such a state of shock to think that a person so young, he was only about 18 at the time, that a friend you know, so young could be laying in a casket. And the same thing with the friend who was killed on the road. To watch a young person in a casket and to think that that can actually happen when normally you think the first time you should have a death experience is when it's your grandfather or someone in their 70s or 80s. Absolutely. But no, that's not what my experience was. And then when I got to college, I had two friends and two, both of them had inoperable cancers. And they were young too. They were both in their early 20s. And one of them, she was a resident assistant like I was at the college. And that's, that's when you take care of the girls on your floor. And so I was so stunned when she became ill. And she did a lot of work for Mother Teresa's Sisters of Charity. There was a point where she was so ill, she had cancer in her breastbone, and they couldn't do anything about it. And Mother Teresa actually came to her bedside in Pennsylvania to comfort her. And the mass card that they gave out at her funeral was the picture of her and Mother Teresa. And I still have it to this day because it was just one of the most beautiful pictures, something so angelic about it. And that was another blow. And then the the other person who died was the fiancé of my boyfriend's sister at the time. 
he was in Colorado studying to be a gunsmith. And he went for a shave. And when he leant back in the chair, he passed out. What? Yes. And they found out that he had cancer all above his, like in his neckline. Wow. And he didn't survive either. And I know. And it's so shocking. I'm shocked. How did you survive all this? I have no idea. And so then during my graduate school exam, my grandfather died in between one of the semesters. I was in the middle of exams and he passed away from complications from diabetes and other, um, other ailments. But the clincher for me was I was going along, I finished my bachelor's, finished my master's degree in business, and I thought I was going to be an executive recruiter for the rest of my life. That was my profession. That's what I wanted to do, and I loved it. And just before, a few months before I was to get married, and actually two weeks after I sent out my wedding invitation, my 11-year-old stepdaughter was found murdered. Wow. And so Angela was killed at age 11, and it took us 18 years to have her murder solved. Oh. Yes. And two more years to go to trial, two weeks to choose a jury, and another full calendar month just to hear the trial and convict him. Now, in New York State, where she was murdered, he was only 15 when he killed her. She was 11. And unfortunately, he wanted to rape her. And because she would have told that he tried to accost her, he had to kill her so she would be silent. Oh, that is so tragic. Yeah. And so he was 15 at the time, and that's not considered to be an adult in New York. That's a juvenile. So when he was finally found and arrested at 33, he was tried as an adult. He was only sentenced as a juvenile. So the most he could get and did get was nine months to life. What? I'm sorry. I take that back. I take that back. Nine years to life. Okay. Excuse me, but that's still not good. <laughs> oh, like, that is not justice. No, even nine years to life is not justice. I know. So I, you know, I thought I was going to go down one path in my life. And this is what life handed me. And for some reason, over time, I started to write books and help other people. My former husband and I, we started support groups for parents of murdered children. We'd speak at conferences about unsolved murders and how to survive them. I just became very active in helping other people know how to cope and live with the death of other people. And so here I am today. I have a podcast that I'm really happy about. And you had mentioned why did I start this show? <laughs> way, that's a way to start. Wow. Thank you for that introduction. So your show is about assisting those who are grieving the death of loved ones. And I think that is just what we need considering that probably now we'll be getting to 1.5 million people who would have died due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Yes. So that means this year, I mean, this Christmas, this Anoka, this Thanksgiving, this Christmas, this new year will be the first time somebody is going to be without their daughter, their son, their cousin, their spouse, their brother, their sister, their aunt, or even their father or their mother or their grandparents. Or their child. Or their child. So it's just amazing what you are doing. And I just can't tell you how 
shocked I am that at such a center age, you went through all that grief yourself. And you've, you've turned it around in a nice way to help other people. I, I don't think I have any other words other than to say, I really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you so much. That's so kind of you to say. I had to do something with it. I knew that I wanted to have a radio show many years ago, back in the 1990s. I also knew that I wanted to write bereavement column for a syndicated newspaper. And it's so funny because when I reached out to all these newspapers, mostly in the United States, where I am, and they all turned around and said, it would be too morbid. And I thought to myself, the first six pages of your newspaper every day are full, are oh, full of murders. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are full, full of murders, especially in New York where I, had, I was living at the time. And they just couldn't see the value of trying to help people who were surviving these murders and as well as other deaths you know, from illness and accident. And so that to me was absurd. But then later on, I try in the early 2000s, I tried to get on, you know, to get a radio show, but the cost was prohibitive. Yes, it's like an unwritten code. We just don't talk about death. We don't talk about bereavement. We don't talk about tragedies. And these things are real and it impacts on mental health and emotional health and, and it affects different people in different ways. When podcasting came around, I thought, well, this is a good alternative. And what I really loved about it was that it's forever. In other words, as long as we're taking care of the hosting, that can stay on the internet forever to help other people long after I'm, long after I'm even gone. And I love that. So it's evergreen. And your words are evergreen and my words are evergreen. And that means so much to me because all this work that we're doing right now will live in perpetuity and no one gets to just dissolve it or throw it away and the work will stay intact. And I love that. I love the, that part of a podcast. Okay. So you, you use a podcast now to... To educate people about the grieving process and what happens when someone we love dies and how they will be affected and how they can cope, and not just for themselves when they lose someone, but also to help others in their family when they lose someone, or if you have a friend who's lost someone. What do you say to them? What do you do for them? How do you help them handle it? How are you there for them? How can you be there for them? So there's a lot of different aspects of grief, and especially this year, as you mentioned with COVID, I did a complete series in the springtime all about COVID-19 and how it affects us. I think I did, I don't remember if it was four or six episodes, but I delve into some really heavy duty topics like what happens if you're dying? You know, how do you talk about the possibility of dying with your family and friends? How do you address this with the children? What do you do when you can't be with someone who's dying in hospital? all of these type of really heavy duty subjects. And if you go back into my, my podcast in the spring, you'll be able to find that series on COVID deaths. Oh, that's so nice and thoughtful of you. What has been the reaction to your podcast so far? It's been amazing. I think what's happening as the more time goes by, and now we're up episode 51. And so it's almost a year. 
And in the beginning, it was very short and a little amount of people, and that's just fine. I knew that would occur. But as we're getting out there and more people are knowing about us and noticing us, we are gathering thousands of people every month. And I'm so grateful for that because the more people talk about us and spread the word, the more people will have this information to help them. As I might have mentioned to you earlier in our conversations, not every culture in our world likes to talk about this. And even in the United States, a lot of people, even many, even in my family, do not want to discuss bereavement, do not want to discuss death. This is something that's going to happen to each one of us at some point and people we love. And we're going to bury others who mean a great deal to us. And I want people to speak about it more. And especially since I started the Foundation for Grieving Children back in the early 2000s, I did that because many people weren't aware of how to help children through the grieving process either. So when you get a chance, you can go to the foundationforgrievingchildren.org, www.foundationforgrievingchildren.org, and learn more about how to help grieving children. I will definitely look at that. Can you share the details of your podcast? Sure. If you go to my personal website, marymac, M-A-R-Y-M-A-C dot info, you can go to the top of my website and you'll see a tab that says podcast. And if you click on that, you'll be able to see all the episodes. And if you go to the drop-down menu, you'll be able to see the introduction page And that will give you all the different podcast platforms where I'm found. And you can click on the one that you use the most and go listen to me and definitely subscribe there. And we're on Apple and iHeartRadio and Pandora and Google Podcasts and and so many others, Stitcher and Spotify, even smaller ones that are just as up and coming and wonderful. When you subscribe there, you'll be guaranteed to know that you can get, it'll pop up on your device and let you know that every Sunday at 1 a.m. Eastern time in the United States, a new episode will appear for you every week. Wow, that's that's so nice. That's so, yeah. Try to make it very consistent. Okay. And so I've been fortunate that we've done 51 episodes, every sing- one every single Sunday at 1 a.m. And the reason I do that on Sunday is so when you wake up on Sunday, oh, not all people are off on mm. Sunday, yeah. but those who are, at least they have a day where they don't have to rush to work. And if they need some quiet time to really think through their bereavement, mm-hmm. think through their grieving process, it's a time to journal. It's a time to reflect. It's a time for yourself. You know, we have to give ourselves time to grieve. This is not a situation where you just jump right back into work. And I know there are plenty of business managers out there who want you to just take a weekend and go right back to work. But even if that is the case, it's so important that you take some time every day just for yourself. When you come home from work or first thing in the morning, and just be with yourself and reflect and write in your journal. It's very important. Yeah. What's this journal going to be about? I encourage people, my listeners, my audience, I call them my warriors, my friends and my warriors, because they are warriors to get through such hard times. And so I encourage them to have two journals. And a journal is just simply a, a book. It could be any kind of book with lined 
you know, with line uh, spacing okay. and it's blank and you fill it up with your thoughts and your, the things that are bringing you happiness, the things that are bringing you sadness. And so the two journals I talk about, one is for your daily life and talking directly to the person who died to record what's going on, to talk about all the feelings you have. That's one journal. But the second journal is called a gratitude journal. And a gratitude journal, the only thing you write in there are things that you're happy about, things that bring you joy, things that you're grateful for. And the reason that's so important is because we spend a great deal of time with the sadness surrounding grief. Mm -hmm. We're always thinking about what we've lost. And in the gratitude journal, I want you to think about what you have, what you've gained, what makes you happy, what brings you joy. Even the most tiniest things, the littlest things, because if we concentrate so much on what we've lost, if we concentrate continually about what we don't have any longer, if we constantly think about how we lost that person and our life is never going to be the same and we're never going to have that again, we're never going to have them again, and all of the negativity that goes along with that, then we're going to go down this, what I call the rabbit hole, which leads to depression and sadness. And it's very hard to get out of that. And I don't want you to go down that rabbit hole. I really don't. I want you to concentrate on what you have. And I know it's not easy. It's not easy because it's hard to cope with such pain. It really is. But I want you to know that if you do it little by little, if you flip that switch for yourself every day, if you consciously say to yourself, no, I want to think about the good things we did together. I want to think about the happy times. I want you to I want you to take out pictures from the past that bring you the most joy. All the things that you did together, the happy moments, those are the ones I want you to display on your table and look at regularly. So those will bring you happiness instead of always thinking about the bad part of it. And in your gratitude journal, I tell people in my podcast that every night before bed, I want you to write in your gratitude journal five things that bring you joy every night so that you go to sleep in a positive mode. And this way you'll wake up in a positive mode to start your day again. And so what are the things you're grateful for? Clean sheets, warm sock, the cuddle with your fur baby if you have a dog or cat, different foods you might have experimented with this week. Maybe you got a lovely email from a friend encouraging you. Maybe you learned something new. Maybe you picked up a book that helped you. A journal, another journal from somebody who wrote that about their grief experience. Maybe you picked up one of my books that gave you a different perspective. Maybe you listened to one of my episodes that gave you a more positive outlook on a particular aspect of grief. Now that we're coming into the holidays, it's really important that you learn how to deal with holiday grief and what to expect. And all those people who weren't able to be with their loved ones during COVID, who died by themselves. There are episodes on my podcast that talk about what you are going through if you couldn't get to say goodbye to them personally and how to deal with that. So we need to think about the tiniest things that bring us joy and put it in our journal every night. It doesn't have to be big things. It can be the smallest thing. And if you start to think about What are the things, the little things today that brought me joy, that made me smile? When I went to the grocery store and somebody smiled at me or let me in the aisle before them because they had a large grocery cart full of of groceries and I only had a few things and they let me go ahead of them. 
What were the blessings that I saw today, that I witnessed, that I enjoyed? Do you have dreams that you want to achieve but are scared to do so due to self-doubt, fear, and other people's criticism? I have just what you need. You need a dose of the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast where I interview guests that will motivate and inspire you to stop at nothing to achieve your dreams. And always remember, if you believe, you can achieve. The Living the Dream with Curveball podcast is available on your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for that. I, I was, I'm almost in tears right now. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, so, <laughs> it's, so, I mean, it's so deep what you're talking about. I understand writing the daily journal, you know, the first journal about where you talk to the people that you've lost. Yes. You would have a lot, a lot of things that you collect. Like when my parents died, I have bought my parents wristwatches and that makes me close to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. You're close to them. I mean, just actually looking at it, not that I wear them. But the gratitude journal is what I really don't get. And I understand a lot of people will not get that gratitude journal because some people are just like, somebody has died. He's gone or she's gone. And I'm right. going to see them again. Right. So why am I grateful? Why? Yeah. What do I have to be grateful for? They're exactly. not here anymore. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. But, but see, that's just the point is to try to flip that switch in your head to a certain degree so you can look at the good in life even while you're in so much pain. Because if you just look at all your pain, all you do is look at your pain. You're moving toward a depression you do not want. And I'm trying so hard to convey to people that you don't have to go down the depression road. You don't have to. You can be depressed for a little part of the day, but it doesn't have to be all-consuming. Who said it has to be all-consuming? Like, where did that come from? Where did, it, where did it come from that people have to grieve for someone for 5, 10, 20, 30 years, every single day, all day, people who think to themselves, well, my life is now over because my husband died, or my life is now over because my parents died. Who told you that? You know, I don't get that. I really don't get, like, who decided that for you? Where, did that, where does that come from? It doesn't have to be that way. Yes, you love that person. You love that baby that died. You love that child who died. And your life will never be the same. Granted, I can appreciate that. But do you really think that your life is over now because of that? Why would you allow yourself be your life to be over you might be a child you might be a teen you might be a 20 30 40 year old you have a lot of living left to do and it's so important you remember that how do you want the rest of your life to go do you want to be walking around as if you had a black shroud over you and you're never going to be happy again like have you unconsciously said that to yourself or subconsciously you said that to yourself well my husband died 15 years ago and i'll never be the same and i'll never find another him well you know what that may be true you'll never find another him you'll find another somebody and they'll have different characteristics and a different outlook on life and who knows maybe at this point in your life you're better suited to that person now 
okay? And it doesn't mean that you'll ever forget them. And it doesn't mean that your love for them will ever be lessened. But are you fully living? Are you fully living? And I'm not saying that this is going to happen immediately, by no means, okay? It's going to take a few years, maybe even longer. But you have to make up your mind. Am I going to be fully alive? Or am I going to be as if I'm dead? Thank you. So in other words, what you're saying is life goes on regardless of what is going on around us. And that's the truth, really. Whether we like it or not. Whether we like it or not. Whether we accept it or not. Life still goes on. And we just have to take that decision to move on regardless of what's happened. Just leave, really. One day at a time. One minute at a time and just follow the grieving process. And like you said, there's a process for this grief and you have to go through that process. Can you just tell us more about this grieving process? Yes. So some things that go on, there, there are what are called stages of grief. And, but there are also myths surrounding the grieving process. And so what happens is we believe that there's only one way you're supposed to grieve. And there isn't, okay? So what we need to know is that the grieving process is different for every single person. Everyone grieves differently. No one goes about it the same way. And we need to understand that the death of a loved one will definitely bring a great amount of pain and loss and a lot of change. And I think even though we deal with pain and loss, we're not really prepared for all the change. And the change comes in so many different ways. The change in our family structure, the change in how we relate to other people, the change in how our financial situation may be affected. If a a spouse dies and now there's only one income or one social security check, life is different now financially. There's Mm. a lot more, yes, there's a lot more that needs to be, that is affected. You might have the change of a household. You may decide to downsize your home because of finances. You may not be well enough to take care of yourself, so you go to move in with family and you lose your independence. The change of how many children you now had before you had four, maybe you have three now. How do you say that when somebody comes up to you and says, oh, so how many children do you have? Okay. Do I say I had four? I had four and now one died. Do I just say I have three? Do I say I have four and not say anything? These are a lot of different situations that go on. When we're in the thick of our grieving, we have to remember that how our relatives or our friends went through the grieving process is not necessarily how we will go through the grieving process. And that's perfectly fine, okay? But unfortunately, other people may judge us on how we're going through that grieving process and how long it's taking us. So they may say things to us like, aren't you over this by now? Was this really that big of a deal, especially in the case of losing a pet? Meanwhile, if your pet was your everything, okay, yes, it's a major loss for you, major, okay? If you came home every day to that pet who was there for you unconditionally and nobody else is there in your household, that's your everything, that death will affect you significantly and for a long time because they were your person, you know? They were your everything. And people put a lot of, they kind of, they act like pet loss is no big deal. 
it's a big deal. Teens, yeah. A big deal to a lot of people, especially mm. children, children and teens. That was the first love of their life. As far as the stages of grief, stages of grief are shock, denial, bargaining. There's a word called acceptance. Well, let me tell you, I have a problem with that word acceptance because if you've had the illness death of a loved one who's maybe 80, okay, um, I might be able to accept they lived a good life, they died at a late age, and maybe it was their time. Okay, granted. But for you to say that I need to accept that my stepdaughter was murdered at age 11, not so much. You know what I mean? So I think to myself, that word acceptance, I think is very, mm -mm, doesn't go for me. It doesn't work for me either. I think it's just not appropriate. So instead, I'm, I replace it with the word acknowledgement. Yeah, okay. I, think, I think that's I, better. Sounds, isn't that a better word? Yes. It sounds better <laughs> and it's a better way to deal with it. Softer. Softer. Yes. More it's appealing. softer. Yes. And it's not like nobody wants to accept that a child that is not even born yet has Yes. Yes. I agree. A, a miscarriage, a stillbirth, yeah. an, still- in, an infant death, you know, sudden infant death, sudden unexplained death. You know, there, there is a group called SUDC, Sudden Un- Unexplained Death of a Child. Yeah. And it wasn't SIDS. They know it wasn't SIDS. It wasn't a breathing thing, but a child just, yeah. and no one can give you an ex- explanation. And that's so painful because everybody wants to know why. And I have a cousin whose daughter-in-law, her, her sister experienced that. And they had a little boy named Henry who just died unexpectedly. And they still don't know why. And it's a very painful thing for them. I just feel so badly for people who are going through these kinds of things because these stages of grief are not in order. There's no way. Grief is like a roller coaster. You know, especially in the beginning, grief is like a roller coaster. It's like very high peaks and very low lows. And and it goes up and down, up and down, up and down. So in one day, you can be, you could see happiness in a moment. Say you, you saw a beautiful bouquet of flowers as you were walking on the side of the road you see, you know, or on the sidewalk in a town and someone's selling fruit and flowers, okay? And you go up and you smell the flowers and it brings you joy. And as you walk away, it occurs to you, that you're not going to give those flowers to your wife again, and you start to burst out in tears. And that's the peaks and valleys that happen in the beginning. Now, fast forward maybe a year or so later, and when you go and see those flowers, you don't feel upset. Instead, you think of all the times you did bring your wife flowers and the beautiful expression on her face that she had when you gave them to her. You've shifted the way you've thought about it. It doesn't sting you anymore. And I often say that in any kind of relationship, whether it's just like dating someone and it breaks up, or when you've buried someone and you get to a place where your soul is calmer and your love for that person, you realize it'll never die, and you get to a place where the death does not sting you, when it doesn't sting you anymore. When you think of that person with joy instead of sorrow, yeah. you, that is where you know that you're healing. It's where you know you're healing. And it's a good thing. And you shouldn't try to make yourself go backwards. You should just accept the place you're in right now. 
Oh, thank, thank you so much. Yeah, you, you've talked about the grieving stages. One aspect of bereavement that I would like you to talk about more is a situation where you are unable to say goodbye to a loved one. For instance, when a loved one dies and you can't be with them when they're actually dying, mm -hmm. like with this COVID situation, a lot of people are dying alone. And yes. You cannot physically be with that loved one when they're actually dying, if you get what I mean. I do. So, of course, if it's possible to speak to a nurse on duty and have a phone brought to the person, of course, that would mean so much, right? Yeah. And there's no reason why you can't request that from the nurse's station in the hospital or in the nursing home or whatever nursing facility they may be in. There's also no reason why you can't see if their bed can be brought the window and perhaps all of your family can go toward the window or they can look down to outside and everyone can wave to them, okay? But if you were not able to do any of those things and now the person has died and it was just a notification by someone in the hospital, then what I've recommended in my podcast about people you know, who you've lost, who you weren't able to say goodbye to, and this is also, I mean, you have to remember there are other, it's not just COVID. I mean, just think about it. There were people who were killed in the wars. Absolutely. It's just the COVID situation has made it so real. All around the world, people who were killed by terrorism, people who may have been lost at sea, okay? People in all branches of military who were, who were killed and their bodies never came home. Yeah. People who died in a cliff accident and their body couldn't be recovered. Yeah. There are so many different ways that you were not able to say goodbye. Even, even just a car crash, okay? They, um, someone came to your door, a police officer came to your door to notify you that someone in your family died in a car crash, right? So you weren't able to physically be there with them. Like when Angela was murdered, we weren't there to say goodbye to her. Yeah, so, and even though we did get her body back to bury, there are plenty of people who don't get anybody back very, okay? So as well as COVID and for all of those people, I want you to know that there's absolutely no reason why you can't form a little altar in your home. You can't put their picture there, okay? Add a candle and write letters to them. And if you do have a burial place, you can bring them, you can write everything you want to say to them, okay, in a letter and bring it to their gravesite, you know, whatever they're buried. And if you can't do that, if there's no burial site, you can attach that letter to a beautiful balloon and all of the family can come together and you can release them all into the air and, and give your best wishes to go up to heaven to them. And some people don't believe in heaven, but you know what? That exercise does help and calm your soul. It's important that you do that because you have a lot to say and you didn't get to say it. And that person, I believe, in spirit, hears you. They hear you. And they know that you're here. And they know you love them. They know you love them. And maybe you couldn't go through the entire process of their death the way you normally would. But that shouldn't stop you from writing out everything you needed to say and leave it at their burial site. Dig a little, dig a little area underneath the grass and tuck it in there. No reason you can't do that. Nobody will even know it. Or to attach it to a balloon and let it go to the sky. 
There are so many ways you can honor them. Light a candle at church. So many ways. Make a donation in their name. Thank you so much for that. It is such an honorable thing to be able to say goodbye to a loved one. And you need to. Every one of us needs to. In our own way, we have to say goodbye. And even though it's the most painful thing to do, whether we're sitting at their bed or we're honoring them in a different way, we have to go through that. We need to have you know, the ability to say goodbye, to write a goodbye letter, and to say everything in there that may have left, that may have been left unsaid. So do you have any last words to say to people as we celebrate Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, and Christmas this year? Yes, the holidays are definitely a difficult time of the year, especially if this is your first year, your first season, holiday season. There's no doubt about it because you're missing them terribly. And the empty seat at the table reminds you, you know, of what you've lost. But I want you to understand something. There are so many ways to honor that person. You can still set the place and you can put a flower on their table, on their place setting at the table. You can encourage each one of your guests to write their own note to that person. And during dinner or after dinner, maybe during dessert, you can read those aloud and everyone will get to say hello to their grandpa or their grandmother, you know, or the child who died. They can reminisce about past experiences, lovely times they shared with each other. And even though there may be tears all around the table, that's perfectly fine. Nobody said you have to be stoic. We can all reminisce and enjoy the memory of that person, especially the first year. If you have young children or teens, it's really, really important that you support them through this time. You know, children grieve just the same as we do. But for some reason in our society, we give the impression that children are supposed to be resilient and they just bounce back. Well, I'm here to tell you that that's not the case. And if children are not helped, are not supported, are not loved, are not given the attention they need, they're going to go find it someplace else. And young ones, they don't know how to express their grief. So they may regress. They may start bedwetting again. They may come into bed with you, you know, in the nighttime to be close to you, especially if another parent has died or a sibling. They want to make sure that you're still alive. They want to make sure you're not going anywhere. They want to be with you constantly. They cling to you. These are all normal and natural things. And for teens, they need to know that you're there for them, that you haven't forgotten about them. They know you're going through your own grief. It might be a sibling, it might be a parent who died, but it's very important that you spend time with them and listen to them and give them the attention they need because the last thing you want is for them to go look for comfort in drugs, in alcohol, in gangs, in trying to produce children to bring comfort to them because they need someone to love and who can love them back. So there are many teens, both male and female, who want to have children or have unwanted pregnancies just for the fact that now they have something of their own who loves them. But that creates a whole host of new issues of trying to take care of the child financially, and that only puts more pressure on their parents. So it's important that their needs be considered. And so during this time, I say to you, please be attentive to your children's needs. Please realize that you can't do everything you used to do at the holidays. You might be the person who made the dinner for 20 people, and you don't have the energy to do that this year. Give yourself a chance to review what you did in the past, 
and what you can do this year. Farm out what you can't do. If you still want to have dinner at your home, then please have others help you. Let them do most of the cooking. Let them do most of the baking. Let them come over and decorate your table and your home. If you can't handle it, ask someone else in the family to please over this year. And don't be afraid. Ask. Please don't be afraid. Ask. They know what you're going through. They know it's going to be a difficult Christmas or Hanukkah or other holiday for you. You have to be willing to ask. It's okay. You can't do it. It's okay. It really is. You're going to have a good holiday. Just be with your family. Be with your friends. Do not be alone. And if you find that you have no one to be with, I want you to go look in the community and see where some dinner is being given, either to homelessness or to another group that is having dinners. Maybe someone in your bereavement support group, which I also encourage. Maybe one of those individuals are not having anyone over to their home either. And a group of you who may be single or unattached can all get together and have Christmas or Hanukkah together. Thank you so much. That's been really helpful to know that. I mean, because sometimes you tend to ignore the children and you yes. forget their needs. You forget Absolutely. that they are also grieving whilst you're grieving. So it's really important to be able to understand where they are at and help them to cope with their own grieving, whatever way you can. Absolutely. And on my site, marymac.info, you'll find links to the different books and they're also in my margin on the left there's a book i've called understanding your grieving heart after a loved one's death and that's the first book you would pick up after the death of a loved one either for yourself or someone else and then there's a book on holiday grief which is very appropriate for right now and the other book is how to help a child after a loved one's death and all three of those books are very effective and are very needed during your grieving process. So I hope you'll check those out. And also my podcast, The Mary Mac Show. Thank you very much for this time with you. Oh, thank you. Do you have anybody in the whole wide world you'd like to give a shout out to this holiday season? I'd like to give a shout out to the love of my life, David. David is my rock. He is such a wonderful man. And I'm so grateful that we have each other at this stage in our life. And I wish him a glorious Hanukkah and a wonderful holiday season together. Thank you. And I wish you a blessed, glorious Hanukkah and holiday season. And thank you for coming on my podcast. It was a pleasure. Pleasure to know you. A pleasure to become new friends. And I thank your audience for taking the time to speak about such a difficult, deep subject, but one that's so needed. A big thank you to all our listeners who have been sending us messages through the message link. I would like to thank everyone who has listened in so far and contributed to this podcast. Thank you so much. We couldn't have done anything without you. Keep listening, keep sharing, keep downloading and keep liking. Thank you again.